this is Kim Shea, your host of Pivot and Thrive. I'm a certified retirement coach, and today I am talking to Grace Shelley. Grace Shelley is a fine art and photographic artist, and she's been producing work that other people can purchase from her since 2019, although when I read her background, it sounds like she's been doing art for a really long time, like it's in her, her blood. So welcome, Grace, to the podcast. Thanks so much. It's really great to be here with you, Kim. Thank you. So tell me about your background. You're, you're not from California, right? I am not from California. I was born and raised in the great state of Alaska. I was born there in 1950 before it was a state. Oh. And yeah, and Alaska was, um, it was like 10 years behind the times because it was, it really was at that point, the last frontier. And, um, you know, we didn't have any stores around. We had to order our clothes out of the Sears catalog and the Montgomery Ward catalog. We lived out in the bush. My folks were with the federal government. Um, they were uh, FAA communicators, and they'd gone up there after the war in 1946. And the, the edict was, go forth and multiply. So they went up there, and they had um, three of us kids, and I'm the middle one. And um, we moved about every three years. We moved from field station to field station because that's the way you moved up in the government hierarchy. Got a better job at the next place. And um, I remember um, the way it went usually is my dad would come home from work in the evening and he'd make the announcement. It's like, well, we're going to. We're going to make a move here pretty soon. I made a, or maybe we will if I get the, if I get the job and I bid on a job in Cold Bay or Northway or, you know, wherever it was. And, and so then the questions would start. How many kids are there? And, you know, how many, what's, what's this and what's that? And it was all very exciting. And next thing we knew, the DC three would fly in and pick us up and all of our, belongings and things. We lived in government housing, so we didn't have to pack furniture or anything like that, or pots and pans. Everything was furnished in the government housing, and away we'd go to the next place and new adventures. So it was quite exciting, and it was a wonderful place to grow up. It was just beautiful nature, and it's that's one of the things that still inspires me today in my art and my painting and my photography is um, water and mountains. And, you know, down here in Southern California, it's the succulents and the cacti and the ocean. And, um, yeah, so Alaska was really uh, uh, formative for me. It sounds like it. It sounds like it's really beautiful. Um, did you mind moving every three years or was it truly exciting to you? It was normal. It was just, oh, okay. you know, it's just what we did. But I do remember when I was about 12 and I realized that, um, that my mom had was born and grew up in the same house and, and didn't leave until she went to college. And it was like, you were in the same place <laughs> for all that time. I mean, I just could hardly get my head around it. It's yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> It's different. And yeah. it was exciting. It was exciting to go to a new place and meet new people and do new things and see new things and stuff like that. And like I say, it was normal. So, um, you know, and we'd get there and we'd know that it wasn't going to be forever. And and then we'd move on to the next place. And um, when we got to high school, when my brother got to high school, we had to move to a town that had uh, – 
that actually had a high school because so many of those places there, there was no secondary school and we were either in one room or two room schools. One room schools were grades one through eight mm-hmm. in the <laughs> two room schools were, Gosh. you know, one through four in one classroom and, and five through eight in the other. And yeah, it was, it was an interesting, interesting childhood for sure. Yeah. No, no, it he, sounds no, like it. No TV, no regular radio. Um, really exciting thing was getting the, the box from the regional library. They'd send us a, a questionnaire and they'd say, okay, what, what do you like to read? And so, you know, each one of those kids would write our names down and, you know, do you like mystery or fiction or nonfiction or, you know, technology or what do you like? And so then the box would come and it would be like Christmas day or something. It was mm. just really, really cool. It was like, yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty wonderful. Yeah. And there was, yeah. it seems like there was always a community hall where they'd show a movie once a week and it would be, you know, um, folding chairs set up in a community hall room with a, you know, screen and there'd be a projector and they'd roll the first reel and then they'd have to stop and turn on the lights and then put the next reel of the film on, et cetera. So that was, got to see movies, but you know, it was, it was old time stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so how, um, so it inspired you in terms of your art, it sounds mm-hmm. like. And, yeah. um, and then I, I read that you ended up going to an interior design school. Do you think that was inspired from living in housing where there it sounds like it wasn't really about your design in houses because you mm-hmm. just inherited whatever you got in the house, right? Whenever you moved to a new house. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I actually didn't go to interior design school. It was, Oh, I went to the University of Idaho, and it was, you know, we didn't have counselors back then, college counselors. I just went where my mom went. <laughs> and, it, you know, I got there to the University of Idaho, and I was majoring in art because I thought that I wanted to be an interior designer. And, you know, I think living in that government housing did inspire me to want something more. I mean, I, you know, and as I said, we didn't have TV and um, just we learned about the world from magazines and, and, you know, that, that kind of thing. And just seeing beautiful homes and interiors and, you know, exotic places, Europe and, you know, all the rest of it. It was like, I, I actually couldn't wait to get out of Alaska. I was, I just so wanted to see New York and Paris and go to all these amazing and interesting places. So I was only at the University of Idaho for a couple of years. And it was like, I kept looking around and it's like, what am I doing here with all these cowboys? This is, this is not <laughs> what I had in mind. So I left after two years and um, I, you know, I majored in art, but I, I've never been able to really draw or do anything like that. I just like color and design and, and those kinds of things. So I'd started painting when I was first in high school. And um, so I had that, that, you know, I liked to do. And I knew that I, I just loved art. And um, so I left the University of Idaho, went back home for uh, the, after my sophomore year. And um, I was saving up money so that I could um, go to San Francisco and, um, be a travel agent because then I knew I could travel and maybe I'd, you know, mm. get to touch and see some of those things that I'd always yearned for. 
And um, I met this young man that summer, and um, he was from California, and he came through looking for adventure, and he found me, and um, he asked me what I was what I was doing, and you know, we we became friends, and and you know, had a little romance going, and. And uh, he learned that I wanted to go to San Francisco, and I wanted to travel. And he said, "Well, I'm going to I'm going over to your uh, going over to Istanbul. Um, why don't you come with me?" And I said, "Well, what's in Istanbul?" And he said, "Well, an old teacher of mine lives over there, and um, he and his wife are there. And I just thought it would be a really fun adventure. Let's hitchhike across Canada and go to Europe." I said, "Okay." So um, away we went. And um, we ended up getting married in Istanbul. We spent three months there. We hitchhiked all over England from the from the bottom up to Scotland, and um, went over to the continent and hitchhiked over there. We went to Amsterdam and saw the uh, Rijksmuseum and so many more other Rembrandt Museum and other things like that. We went to Paris and saw the Louvre. Um, Ended up in, as I say, in Istanbul, and we were there for three months and went to see the Blue Mosque. And, oh, my gosh, what an exotic and amazing place that was coming from Alaska. That was something else. That was really incredible. And, you know, the the covered bazaar, and it was just so rich and amazing. And um, so we got married there and (laughs) had a civil ceremony. And... um, uh, flew back to the United States, and not long after that, I was pregnant. And we moved back to Alaska, and that's where, that's where my folks were. And we lived up there for a while. And um, anyway, just we did get to travel a bit, and you know, see those museums, and uh, you know, and he was he was an adventuresome guy too. And we moved a lot, so we've lived in a lot of places. We lived in Alaska. He couldn't deal with the winters, so we only ended up there one winter, and then we we started moving south. And hmm. yeah, it, it must be hard for somebody coming from California to live there. I mean, uh, you either love it or you yeah, don't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I took him out one day when it was freezing cold, and I. The, the temperatures kept going down and down and down. I said, Hey, why don't we go for a walk? So we go out for a walk and, and uh, we're walking out down the road and he, he sniffs. He goes like that. And it was so cold. His nose froze <laughs> stuck together. And he's like, Oh my God, my nose is frozen. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that was, that that pretty much did it. It's like, nah, this is this is not, <laughs> this is not for me. This is not for me. So we began our we, we began our move south, and we uh, lived in Idaho for a while. We had a restaurant there, and uh, that was fun. That was great fun. Um, and I was always finding things to do in the communities that we lived in that that were somehow connected to creativity or art or whatever. I, um, you know. We lived in a little town in Oregon for a while, and we had a hundred-year-old farmhouse. And I decorated the farmhouse with great big murals on the walls and clouds on the ceiling, and the you know the the upper room where it had the sort of slanted ceilings and stuff like that. We painted clouds on the ceiling and um, made a playroom for my daughters, and we had mirrors on the walls so that, and, a, and a dance bar so that they could you know, do their little girly tutu thing. And mm-hmm. that was fun and um, got involved with uh, a local library and helped to paint some murals there. 
And, you know, just everywhere we went, I was somehow involved in art. And, uh, yeah, so I've never lived without it, really. It's it's hard when it's it kind of it, who you are, too. I mean, you can't really not do it. You can't. Yeah. You can't paint or photograph or whatever if that's you're just always thinking that way i imagine yeah Yeah, exactly exactly right now when i go out it's like because i've been painting i'm seeing everything in paint hues and colors i'm going okay what colors would i use to mix that (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) i know it's it's i guess it it just sort of takes over your mind (laughs) yeah well it's it's neat and so you've been you've been working more intensively since 2019 is that right Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I lived out in Rhode Island for a while and, um, I was married to a man who was, this is my second, second, second marriage. Um, I was married to a man who was, uh, a retired art professor and he started seeing what I was doing in terms of, you know, my work. And, um, he said, you know, you're, you're a really talented photographer. You really have quite an eye and you need to start doing something with that. Cause I've been doing some paintings and the paintings were just really crappy and not that good. And I was frustrated and anyway, started messing around with the photography and I, I really liked it because it's, it's so immediate because I mean, much more immediate than painting because with painting, you got to get the stuff on your hands. It's, you know, it's messy and, um, mm-hmm. and it, and it, takes some time and it takes a lot of patience um and i've never been a terribly patient person for that kind of thing so the immediacy of being able to take a photograph you know particularly on your phone and even edit it on your phone if you wanted to and you know use filters and you know those kinds of things on your phone to just make something really awesome that was i love that And, um, so at one point, um, you know, we'd visited some galleries around there. We were in Rhode Island and that's a very, very friendly place for artists and, um, they art sales in Rhode Island. They don't charge sales, sales tax for, for art, which I thought was really, that was a great thing. Um, anyway, so we started visiting some galleries and stuff like that and, there was this show that there was going to be at this one gallery. It was, it, it really intrigued me. It was, um, it was a juried show. I'd never applied for a show or tried to get in or anything like that. And, and my husband really uh, encouraged me. He said, well, you should, you should do that. And it was an art and poetry show. So it wasn't just about art. It was also about, you know, the, the spoken written word. And what they did is that they had this art and poetry show where, um, the year that I entered, the call to the artists was first, and they choose the artists, and then um, they would choose. They they would have poets enter um, submissions so that they would choose from the poets. It's like okay, these people, this person, this is a poet, that's a poet, that's a poet. They're really good. So what they would do then is that they would match the poet up with the artists that had been chosen and juried in. And the uh, poet would write a poem that would um, be a companion piece to the art. That's interesting. Oh, it was awesome. It was such a cool thing. And they put together a book. And it was just, well, long story short, 
Um, that was the first show I entered ever, juried show I entered, and I got in, and it was so exciting. Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> remember the day I got in, and it was like, oh, I couldn't wait till my husband came home, and I put a big sign on the door that said, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and he came home, and, of course, he was excited, too, because he knew that, you know, first try getting into a show on your first try was a pretty, pretty darn big deal. And so he was so excited for me and I was thrilled, thrilled to death. And um, it was wonderful. They made a book out of the, as I said, they made a book out of the poetry and the art and the show. And um, the book was chosen later to go into the poetry house in New York City, which was very exciting. Um, I have, I have a, you know, I'm in a book in the poetry house in New York. I always wanted to go to New York. And the other thing about living there is that we had that proximity to New York. So I was able to uh, travel to New York. We traveled to New York together. And um, so I learned the, you know, the train, how to get on the train and go to New York City and, and you know, ride the subways and, you know, all that, all that big girl, big city kind of stuff. It was really fun. And it's like, you know, you can take the girl out of Alaska, but you can't take Alaska out of the girl. It's like, you know, I'm always just very wide-eyed and sort of like, you know, there's that little part of me that's still that bush, I call her bush girl. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I, I became a member of the Museum of Modern Art as an artist member. And what that allowed me to do was to get, you know, first... You know, I could get special entrance to new exhibits and stuff like that. And I'd just hop on the train and in a couple so hours cool. I'd be in, be in New York and could go to those shows. And, of course, there were so many other museums there there and stuff like that, too. So it was like, oh, this was a dream realized. It was just so great. Ah, It was really, really thrilling. So that was back in 2017. And then... Um, uh, my husband died, moved out here, and um, uh, moved in with my daughter here. And um, I was, I, I don't know, I was going to stay out there. I was looking for a place to live, like in a loft in Providence or something like that. Providence, Rhode Island is a very, very artsy, really, really cool community. They've taken all those old um, fabric mills and made them into uh, art lofts and things like that. And they oh, had art, cool. art, yeah, art co-ops. And it was like, oh, I'll get, you know, I think I'll move into one of those art co-ops or something like that now. And, you know, nothing was happening. Nothing was kind of coming to fruition. And so I packed everything up and, um, well, I, you know, I was talking to my daughter along the way and she said, mom, you need to come out here. You need, and I said, ah, I don't know if I want to be back in California. I, I don't know. And she said, well, just come out. Just come out here and try it out. So I came out here and they had bought a little trailer and they had it in the driveway. And they said, mom, if you come here, you can move right in here. You can live in this little place. And, and you know, they're, remo- they're remodeling the house and they were going to make it bigger and all that kind of stuff. And they said, you can live in the little trailer here. And, and it was like, so I said, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. So came out and, you know, it was like starting all over again because here, California is a whole different scene than um, East Coast. And um, 
but it's got the proximity to San Diego, which is, you know, cosmopolitan and LA mm -hmm. and, you know, so many other cool places and things. And California wasn't a whole new scene to me because I'd lived up in Ojai for probably 20 years, um, you know, a number of years ago. Um, so, but, you know, what was really, really new for me was uh, checking out the art scene here and trying to figure out how it all worked and, you know, where did people show and where did they buy their art supplies and what was the best place to get this and how did you do that? And so I jo joined a little um, organization called the Carlsbad Oceanside Art League, which has, it's a, it's an artist co-op gallery. And mm -hmm. that was a wonderful um, way to become acquainted with uh, the art scene here, local artists. Um, and, you know, everybody there was so welcoming and so friendly and, um uh, made some friends there and started showing there and I started winning prizes for my photography and the shows there. And so that was um, heartening and um, confidence lifting. And, um, and then eventually I started venturing out a little bit more and I joined the uh, Oceanside Museum of Art and they have mm -hmm. a, um, a group called the Artist Alliance, which is sort of like the MoMA artists alliance that they have and um basically it's it they must have hundreds of artists and i don't think they're just from uh oceanside or this area they're also uh, you know from la down to san diego people belong That's to impressive. the yeah and um they provide probably five or six different um very very nice juried show opportunities to enter and to be exposed to other um you know, successful artists and in interesting places. So I started submitting to some of those shows and I was getting into those shows and I got into a couple shows over at the front porch gallery, which is local. And um, so I was kind of off and running. And then a couple years ago, I got into the um, Carlsbad um, annual. No, it's not annual. It's a biennial juried show and I got into that and that was a really big deal. I just was so tickled that I'd gotten into that and mm. that was wonderful. So, um, and then at one point I decided my, my daughter asked me, she, she's, she's my business mentor. So she asked me, um, so what are you going to do with this art? Is this just a hobby or are you going to do something with it? And I said, oh, I don't know. What do you have in mind? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, she uh, encouraged me to, well, I said, have a business? Eh, I don't know. And she said, no, come on, I'll help you. I'll help you do this. She's a business coach. And so uh, anyway, I, 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 I'm all hooked up. So she got me to join the Chamber of Cod Commerce. And I started uh, with a uh, networking group called uh, NetForce One, which is a group of over 20 people and it's it's one person in each uh sort of um professional not professional every category of business or whatever so there's only one right. it's a networking uh opportunity and i was with uh with them for a couple of years and i just recently dropped my membership because my brother moved here and uh, was starting to focus on taking care of my brother who had Alzheimer's, um, 
I just found that I just couldn't. And with the pandemic and everything, it was just, it was just too much to deal with all of that. So, um, so I recently dropped out and then shortly thereafter, my brother died. And so now I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, it's a whole new time to time for another adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still involved with Cole and the Oceanside art community or is that on hold because of the pandemic as well? Oh, it's been, they've both been on hold since the pandemic. And I actually left my membership with the Cole Gallery when I joined the uh, chamber and started focusing on business. I just didn't have time to do the same kinds of things that I was doing when I was in that before. So the focus at that point was much more on business and marketing, you know, things that I had already done and trying to figure out how to meet people and how do you do this art business? I mean, it's a whole thing whole different thing you know it's right brain versus left brain and it's like um fortunately i'm you know fairly i'm a libra and kind of balanced with that kind of thing my mom was really super organized and stuff like that and you really need to have those skills that skill set to to be a business person and um so i'm just you know in that place of just really trying to find my way back to me right now and um after, you know, this intense time that we had with my brother and and uh, and then his leaving way earlier than we thought he would. So I'm just um, I'm just really, really enjoying painting right now. And I'm not pushing myself in any way to focus on the business right now. Doesn't mean I'm not going to go back to it. I just I'm just not sure. So it's pivot time. And right now it's about self-nurturing, self-care, and, you know, all those kinds of things. That sounds wonderful. It's, I mean, it's, it's really impressive just the way you, I mean, I guess you've been raised that way, but you've been changing and pivoting from the time you were small. It's just, oh, okay, yeah. here's where we're going, here's what we're doing. And then, yeah. and then you've continued to do the same thing your whole yeah. life. Yeah. Um, it's very impressive. It's very courageous. I mean, to me... I'm not a mover. Like I don't mind moving within my community, but I'm not a person mm-hmm. who's going to pick up right. and go move across country that um, I admire that very much. Um, what mm-hmm. advice would you have for somebody who's moving, especially when you're older for a lot of people that, that can be really disastrous because if they don't know people where they're going and they don't know how to get to know people when they're, when they're moving, it's really hard on them and it can really? be really stressful and cause illness because they just, yeah. Yeah. It's too much. So what, what tips do you have for somebody who is moving after they've retired? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I Wow, that's a good question. Because like you say, it's just been such a natural thing for me. It's like, first thing I guess is you can't expect that people are going to come to you. You have to, mm. as, the, as the newbie, the new person in town or whatever, it's like you have to be the one that gets out there. And it's like, so you got to find, you, you, it, if you're in retirement, you, you know, you're of an age that you know what you like and you know what you like to do and what your passions are, hopefully. And, you know, so I I would say the first thing is you just start finding out where those things are and where you can access those things and then begin to volunteer and show up. And because it's when you're volunteering with things like whether it's in a library, if you like books or, you know, in a 
in a co-op art gallery if you like that. You know, you can you can volunteer there with that and that way you meet people because when you're when you meet people and you have that in common, you know, you're working together and you're side by side. And when you're working together, you just automatically kind of get to know each other and you you make friends and and you know, and then it goes from there. And um, you know, and it at retirement age, another really important thing, especially having gone through with just what I, what I went through with my brother, is you got to get your medical stuff in order, and you got to change mm-hmm. your health insurance and get all that taken care of because you never know when you're in retirement age what's going to happen. So be ready. Exactly, that's <laughs> a good point, and I, I like how you also said show up because um, I think it can be discouraging if you decide that you are going to throw yourself out there and meet new people. And then all of a sudden they're not, you know, they don't walk into the room and they're not just flocking to you and inviting you right. to dinner and lunch. Yeah. It takes time. So yeah. You, yeah. you just have you, to keep showing up. It takes, yeah. Takes you've got time to show now. up and they've got, to, you've got to experience them and they experience you. And it's like, well, Hey, I like this person. And next thing you know, you're going out for a coffee. And yeah. next thing you know, maybe you've invited them to a movie to go to a movie with you or, you know, whatever. Um, it just, uh, you have to just be, uh, you got to be open, open and mm-hmm. flexible. I open like that. and flexible. Yeah. You always have yeah. to be open and flexible because you're the new kid on the block and they already have their network of friends. And so uh, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But it seems like it's working for you. I know everybody likes you. So I know oh, it's thank working you. for you. Yeah, <laughs> so you. everybody knows that. Um, you, I don't know where I read this, but I read that you have a passion for helping women. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, gosh, where do I start with that one? Mm. Um, I, I've been through a number of traumas in my life. Um, and, um, had to experience how to deal with what comes from trauma. Um, and I know how hard that is. And so my passion is to, uh, uh, support organizations through the sale of my art that support not just women, but, um, people, people, people in need. And, um, right now my three favorite um, organizations are the San Diego Food Bank. They do such an amazing job at, at all that they do. Uh, if you haven't taken their tour of the food bank, don't miss that. Go do it. It is okay. so impressive and so inspiring. It's really, really wonderful. And there's also now a North County Food Bank, um, which I support. And, um, they just do amazing things in our county. And so every time I make a sale of my art, some of that 10% goes to the food bank. Or Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And then there's another organization called Mile, Milestone House, which is um, it's a, uh, it's a house for uh, women and girls who are uh, trying to make their way after sexual abuse or um, I'm not sure if it's addiction as well. But um, it, it supports them with um, counseling and a place to live and all kinds of really, really wonderful things. And that just really, really speaks to my heart. So, um, And then there's another organization called Women of Promise, and they do everything from, 
getting diapers for families in need to food and food bank and helping get women placed if they're on the street, um, in homes. And, um, it's just, anyway, those are three really amazing organizations that I like to support. So, so I do that through my art. So I, I hope that that speaks to people and, and, um, you know, people that want to support those things will support me and my art because that helps to support these organizations. I just love doing that, reaching out. It really makes it meaningful. That sounds, that's wonderful. You just keep giving. I think it's very admirable. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit before we started recording, but um, if you wouldn't mind sharing while we've got it recording here, you you were talking about some of the people that you have really made very happy with your art that have really uh-huh. just loved what you've done. Would you mind sharing some of those? Oh, I'd love to share. Um, well, since I'm primarily a uh, photographic artist, um, I really enjoy uh, processing photos after I'm finished with them. I mean, you can shoot a raw photo like a picture of a lily pad in a pond and, you know, you get pictures of the mud and you get the lily, but you also get the mud and the specks and the bugs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And to make a beautiful picture of a lily, you have to process it so that you're erasing the bugs and you're smoothing out the mud and you're raising the color and, you know, all these different things. And um, other photographs are like that as well. You know, you, you, you process them. And so I've become a real expert at processing photos and, and really quite a magician at doing that. And so um, I, I started doing this service called Your Photos, Your Way. Um, you know, everybody has about 12,000 photos on their phone and <laughs> they just sit there in the phone. And um, I was actually at a Chamber of Commerce um, coffee thing. It's like, you know, took, went, went out for a coffee thing. There were like three or four people there and, you know, we're just trying to get to know each other and learn about one another's business and stuff like that. And there's this guy there and, and I was telling him that I was a photographer and, and he said, well, what do you do with your photographs? And, and I said, well, you've got photographs on your phone, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, show me some of your photographs. And he um, pulled his phone out and, and he was showing me some photographs. And, and I said, which one's your favorite one? And he pointed to this photograph that was, it was a picture of a, um, it was a desert in the dawn light of the morning. So it was like pink and kind of orange. And there was this, hot air balloon on the ground in this photo. And I said, wow, that's a really cool photo. Tell me about the photo. And he said, oh, well, it was my wife's birthday last year and we were over in Morocco and, and, um, her, uh, wish for our honeymoon was that, um, I would take her up in hot air balloon over the desert and the dunes. And I said, Oh, wow, that's so cool. And there was this old ruin in the photo as well. It was like this, this sort of stone ed- edifice. It was like, there were just two walls of this building left and there was like a window in it. It was Jeez. through the window that you saw the balloon on the floor of the desert. Oh. And, um, and, and so I was telling him and I said, you know, I could take that photo and put that on a piece of canvas for you or a piece of metal, a piece of acrylic and make a really, really beautiful memory for you and your wife of that honey, uh, that, that, um, anniversary experience i think i said honeymoon but i think it was their it was their anniversary so um and he said oh wow that's so cool 
So, um, so we went back and forth over the next couple of weeks um, about what size of, of photograph he wanted. I went over to his house and he showed me where he wanted to put it. And, and, um, and I, he said, well, I think I want, you know, 14 by whatever size. And so I had brought that over a cardboard template of that size and he showed me where he wanted it. And I said, I don't think that's going to be big enough. And so I put the template up there where he wanted it. Sure enough, it wasn't big enough. So we decided on a bigger size. And then I went away and I ordered it and got it and brought it back. And, uh, and the next time I heard about that was at this art opening um, down at the Hera Hub um, last March, just, just before the pandemic hit. And um, he was there. And um, the organizers of the art show um, had wanted all of us artists up in the front of the room at one point in the evening. And we were having kind of a panel where we were each talking about our art. And then we were taking Q&A from the audience and this and that. And so when it was my turn, I was talking about this Your Photos Your Way um, thing that I do. And, and I said, oh, and there's a, there's a person that I did this, that I did a photo for. I said, I'm going to let him tell you about I, I said, Lee, would you mind telling people about your experience? This guy's really big, and he's a former Marine, and just really big, you know, macho, tough guy. He starts talking about this photograph that I did for him, and he starts crying about oh. the photo. It was, I mean, it was just so, so amazing and so wonderful. And it's like, oh, my gosh. I, I, I started crying, too. It was really crazy. That's so sweet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was wonderful. And then there was another uh, photograph that I did for a couple who'd been on a, a vacation in Hawaii and I um, enhanced a photograph of them. And it was a photograph that didn't look like anything to me. It was just a little, it was a picture taken from a balcony of the two of them on some grass. And then there were palm trees in the, in the, in the ocean in the background. And they were, you know, you could barely see them on the grass. And I kind of thought, well, okay, they like the photo. This is not for me. This is for them. So enhance the photo. So I enhanced the photo and I printed it up in the size that they wanted. And, and, um, she ended up giving that to him for his, for Valentine's day. And they went to the same church that I did. And I ran into them at church after I'd, um, gotten the photograph for them. And it was like the week after Valentine's day when I saw them and, and the husband came up to me and he said, Oh my gosh, that photo you made, that was so amazing. We were having this really intense, amazing healing conversation on the grass there in that picture. And it's like, you know, I didn't know that when I made the picture, but it was just like, and he said, it was, it's just so, so meaningful. Thank you so much. And, you know, once again, it was just great. And you know, I, that just made my day, of course. And I just, I love doing that. And, you know, there's so many people, so many pictures and so little time. So let's get going, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting, what I'm hearing too, is like, you're just taking ordinary pictures off of people's phones. For oh, this, yeah. For this, uh, your your photo your way. So it's not like somebody has to have taken it with an SLR camera and, no. you know, all the great no. No, they can you're be, able to work with whatever somebody's got. It sounds like. It can like. be an ugly water lilies with bugs and mud <laughs> and I could fix it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 
really, really is. That's amazing. So. Yeah, your artwork is your, your artwork is gorgeous. Um, you you all should go to her website. It's it's graceshellyart.com and um, it's g r g r a c e Shelly is S H E L L E Y and then art.com. And she's just got beautiful, beautiful, inspiring pieces there and photographs. And, um, <laughs> you, you fall in love with them. They're just, they're as pretty as can be. But, but that's very interesting that you take something of somebody's that is just like, well, you know, I like it, it has meaning, but it doesn't look good enough to hang on the wall, but you make it good right. enough to hang on the wall. Exactly. So there is, there is a gallery on the website called Lilies and Koi. So if you look at that and you look at those beautiful lilies, they didn't look that like that to start with. I wish, I wish I should probably have a before and after uh, place on the website or something. It's like, oh, this is before, this is after, because it does make well, quite a difference. Yeah, it does make quite a difference. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're making the world a more beautiful place. Um, not just with your art, but just by what you're doing with it. You know, Thank you're you. you're helping people with their own memories. And I apologize, the dog is like crying in her dreams behind me here. Um, but and then also just with how you're helping charitable organizations with your work too. Thank I know you. you're very generous, and so I think it's it's really wonderful. Thank um, you, Kim. I think that's it for my questions for you. Do you have anything else that you'd like us to know or um, that you want to share? I don't, I don't think so. I guess, I I guess the thing I would say is just um, count your blessings every day and live life with a Mm. attitude of gratitude. Because when you do that, everything is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. Oh, that's wonderful. And you, you've got an eye for beauty, so you're looking for it all the time, which I'm sure makes life just prettier. Yeah. Yeah. And more inspiring. Yeah, that's great. Thanks so much for having me on today, Kim. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on. And uh, again, this is Kim Shea with Aging Purposefully, and I've been talking to Grace Shelley and her website. Again, I'll put the information on the show notes for the podcast, but it's graceshelleyart.com. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach, so if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2K for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now.